The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! guys, how you doing? Lee here with an intermission episode for you guys. Our plans for a simple plan fell through. That will be our next episode, but we just couldn't get it done this weekend. So whenever we can't get done what we have planned, we try to throw in an intermission episode for you guys, just to show our appreciation for you guys listening, coming back all the time. We want to give you a little something something, even if we can't give you a full episode. So that's where we stand right now. And originally this episode was going to be featuring two reviews from myself, one for Death Race 2050 and one for Don't Kill It, a movie starring Dolph Lundgren. But I decided to scrap that at the last minute because friend of the show and friend of Daniel and myself, Kit Power, came through in flying colors and uh, gave us a nice little dissection of Batman versus Superman. So I was like, well, I'm going to fucking scrap my plans and I'm going to stick this nice little piece of work in here for you guys to listen to. It's an excellent, excellent little 20-minute kind of takedown of the entire film and why it was terrible. And I can't say I disagree with any of the points there. And he also puts on a little bonus about Lego Batman, uh, a recent uh, theatrical watch for him, I believe. And uh, that's kind of fun, too. And so, yeah, we're going to get into that very quickly here. I just want to mention some podcasts that uh, I'm currently on and some podcasts that are sort of in the family, I guess, of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I don't know how to quite uh, coin it. Uh, I guess they're acquaintances of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight or half-brothers, half-sisters, maybe. Who knows? There's a new episode of The Wrong with Authority podcast, which is a podcast hosted by James Murphy, Kit Power, Jack Graham, and our very own Daniel Harper. And they always sort of take turns with the hosting duties, and they sort of tackle films that have some sort of basis in history, whether they are biographies, dramatic uh, historical recreations of something, or just loosely associated with something that actually happened. And they sort of just talk about the movies, whether they are accurate historically, and whether they're entertaining even if they're not and uh, whether they have anything to say. This time out, they do Shadow of the Vampire and Gods and Monsters, and I think that would be interesting for anyone who really enjoyed our Nosferatu episode. It's a bit of a continuation of that to some degree in some of the conversation there. Quite good stuff. I really like the talk about Gods and Monsters, which is an underappreciated film. Uh, kind of a Kind of a forgotten film right now, I'd say. But it's one worth checking out if you have never checked out before and worth rechecking if you haven't in a long time. Next, I want to mention Kit Power's podcast, Watching Robocop with Kit Power. I'm on the current episode of that. It is exactly what it says it is. Uh, Kit does a feature-length commentary with a new guest every month, and they talk about Robocop. And uh, so if you want to listen to some interesting commentaries... For one film, there's the place to go. If I do say so myself, our commentary was excellent. 
it was probably the best, actually. Next, I want to mention I'm the new co-host for the sub-podcast from Pex Lives called City of the Dead, hosted by James Murphy. I've mentioned this before on the show, but the recent episode we did, and this is a once-a-month podcast, we did The Host That Drip Blood. Originally, this podcast was uh, intending to cover every movie released by Amicus, but we've decided to sort of pare it down to just doing the horror movies, which is a much easier task to get through and find, uh, honestly. And uh, yeah, we talked about The Host of Drip Blood. Uh, As I previously have mentioned on this show, my audio is terrible on that one. I sound like I'm in a tin can. It was just a fuck-up that I was unaware of at the time. And that will be rectified going forward. But it's still a pretty interesting conversation if you can get past the audio issues. I also mentioned Daniel's Oi Spaceman podcast is sort of slowly getting back off the ground after taking a few month uh, hiatus. He's just recently come out with an episode on Red Dwarf. So if you're interested in uh, show reviews of Red Dwarf, Doctor Who, uh, the odd movie or two, and some other side discussions... Oi Spaceman's a good place to go uh, for some uh, thoughtful dissection of science fiction. And finally, I'll mention The Shabcast. Uh, Jack Graham's The Shabcast. On there, he does Return to Oz and the NeverEnding Story with Daniel's wife, Shayna. They previously had done uh, Labyrinth and I think The Dark Crystal. Don't quote me on that. Um, I don't want to misremember. But uh, they did do a really good discussion on Labyrinth, and I assume this is going to be just as good, if not better, um, some more 80s fantasy films they're tackling there, and uh, they always do a good job. So yeah, so we're going to break off with some music. We're going to get into Kit Powers' Batman vs. Superman dismantling. Uh, We'll come back with some podcast promos, and then I'll tell you what's coming up on the podcast as we sort of end off the show. All right, guys, we'll be right back.
here, former guest of the show and host of Watching Robocop with Kit Power, the monthly podcast where I sit and watch the movie Robocop with a friend and record the resulting conversation. Um, just a quick word on why I'm here. Basically, last time I was on the show, Daddy and Lee said if I ever wanted to come back and do a, a shorter piece uh, solo where I just talked about a specific movie I'd seen, that they'd be happy to do that and put it in as a bonus episode at some point. So no idea when this is going to be broadcast, but I thought that was a very kind offer. I sat on the offer for quite a while because it took me quite a while to think of a film I wanted to talk about. The trouble is, if I really love a film, I generally want to talk about it for longer than 20 minutes and I genuinely want to talk about it with other people. Uh, I really enjoy the, the dialogue and the back and forth. Similarly, if I don't enjoy a movie, I generally don't have enough interesting things to say about it to warrant recording something at all. So finding a film that I either liked but didn't love or disliked but was interested enough to want to talk about took a while eventually i was bailed out by sky who over christmas broadcast a series of movies as premieres across the christmas season and one of those movies was batman versus superman now this is a film i'd read a lot of reviews of and based on those reviews had decided was something I was going to be unlikely to enjoy, and therefore I didn't bother going to see it at the cinema. However, when it appeared on my Skybox as something I could watch for free, I found myself somewhat intrigued. For basically two reasons. One, because if it was as bad as the review suggested, I was interested in seeing why that was. And two, because there was the outside chance that the small minority of people on my friends list who did genuinely enjoy the film at the cinema might have had the right of it and the critics might have been wrong. So with that in mind, I decided to sit down and watch it. And once I'd watched it once, I realised with a somewhat sinking heart that I was going to have to watch it again and take notes because this was a film I wanted to talk about on They Must Be Destroyed. So I guess the first thing you'll immediately have gathered from that statement is that, uh, spoilers, I did not enjoy this movie. I'm not going to cut against the critical consensus of this film. My quick capsule review is that it's a god-awful, misbegotten mess of a movie, and it's kind of astonishing in the modern era that it got made. And actually, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it with you guys, because the fact of it not being very good is not really terribly interesting. I understand it's not unusual for for big budget movies to be bad. It certainly happens fairly regularly. But it's kind of so spectacularly bad 
and in some ways so interestingly bad, and, I don't know, perhaps most importantly, perhaps not, so expensively bad, that I thought it would be worth talking about. There is also the interesting side note, of course, which is that although it was horrendously expensive and bad, it did make its money back and more at the box office. So it was, in blunt, raw financial terms, successful, albeit not as successful as I think the studio had hoped it might be. So let's talk a bit about what it is that makes this a bad movie. And uh, apologies in advance if I dip into any spoilers. But uh, to be fair, if you haven't yet seen this film and you want to, you should stop listening to this and go and watch it. And I really can't recommend it if you were at all on the fence. You might actually get more entertainment from this review than you would from the film. And that's not my ego talking. That really is just because the film's that bad. Uh, I mean, the film is bad really from the very opening scene. There's an opening monologue which is just not coherent. It's a series of almost sentences played over what I can only describe as Batman parental murder porn. There's really no kind way to describe it. Imagine if someone took the iconic frames from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and just used them as a straightforward storyboard, only inexplicably replacing the movie that Bruce went to see from The Mark of Zorro to Excalibur. Because, I mean, why? Then you've got a fairly clear idea of, of how the movie starts, and it, and it really doesn't improve from there. It, it's an odd choice. The, the pearl necklace with the gun caught in it works incredibly well as a frame on a comic book. For some reason, it just doesn't work in the same way cinematically. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but it really, really doesn't. It's strange because it's all the iconography of The Dark Knight Returns, but stripped of any of the actual meaning or empathy that makes that story so powerful. I think that's most exemplified by the end of the introductory sequence where Bruce Wayne, having fallen down into the well that contains the Batcave, is fully lifted out of the cave and out of the well by a storm of bats. I mean, clearly this is meant to be symbolic, clearly this is not meant to be taken literally, but it's incredibly stupid. Uh, and heavy-handed and ham-fisted. And it, it really does sum up the problems with the rest of the movie in, in a nutshell. Things do not improve from there. It's a very long film. Uh, it's two and a half hours, I think, and it, it feels considerably longer, I have to say, watching it. It's shot, as many modern action movies are, like it was made to be an MTV video. And I'm not necessarily against that kind of a directorial style, but it does come with challenges, which is making sure that what's happening in story terms is actually coherent when you're cutting every one to three seconds, regardless of whether or not that's necessary. And unfortunately, coherence is not something this movie does very well. It's odd because the Marvel franchise have, have laid out a fairly clear template on how you do a superhero movie at this point, and they've managed to be incredibly successful, even amongst a, quite a diverse range of heroes and heroic stories. Everything from... Ant-Man, to Deadpool, to Captain America, to Iron Man, Thor. All right, the second Thor movie wasn't great, but the first one was was pretty competently done. And they've managed to cover a diversity of themes, a diversity of moods, while still telling coherent stories. But Batman vs. Superman is not remotely coherent. One of the exercises I really wanted to undertake with this film was to sit and watch it with someone who wasn't intimately familiar with The Dark Knight Returns. 
because I had a fairly strong hunch that if you hadn't read The Dark Knight Returns several times, this movie would actually make no sense at all. Unfortunately, I couldn't persuade my wife to take part in this experiment because she saw my face after watching the film the first time, and I really can't blame her. I guess I could talk about the performances a little bit. Uh, Let's start with the good performances. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is playing Alfred, and Jeremy Irons is brilliant, and he's brilliant as Alfred. I didn't realise Alfred was an alcoholic prior to this film, but that's fine. Jeremy Irons gets all the best lines from The Dark Knight Returns. Not all of them, I have to say, make a great deal of sense. There's a line when Alfred has concern about the wine cellar and there being a next generation of Waynes to continue to drink wine. And whilst that makes sense in the context of Dark Knight Returns, where Bruce Wayne is clearly a man in his 60s, uh, it makes a lot less sense when Ben Affleck is the bat. That kind of storytelling incoherence with The Dark Knight Returns happens a lot. There's another moment later on where you realise that Bruce Wayne apparently has been Batman for 20 years but Clark Kent slash Superman apparently has literally just heard of him, which is just incoherent storytelling. It makes absolutely no sense. It's uh, an insult to the intelligence of anyone who has any understanding of how a shared universe is supposed to work. And it wasn't at all necessary. They've decided on this plot of having Bruce Wayne slash Batman going increasingly insane and off the rails. They don't really explain why or how that's happening, unfortunately. And that's odd too, because brief divergence here, but if you were wanting to hew to the source materials, you could have done it. You could have done a death in the family and you could have had Jason Todd getting killed and that would have given Bruce Wayne adequate you know, reason to start to go off the rails, which would have helped create the tension with Superman. But no, they just, for no apparent good reason... Bruce Wayne is just going mental and has decided to start branding criminals. It's upsetting because I like Batman as a character, and I do appreciate, obviously, that Batman is insane, but this is not the kind of insane he is. The other way the film woefully lets down Batman as a character is Batman has always, from his very first appearance in detective comics, the clues in the name, has always been billed as the world's greatest detective. And there is absolutely no evidence of that power in this film. And that's borderline unforgivable, I think, for a big-budget Batman movie. The whole point of Batman as a superhero that puts him on equal footing with the rest of the Justice League, who are all incredibly superpowered, is, you know, Batman has an ability to think. He has an ability to outthink almost everybody. That is simply not in evidence in this film. I mean, just to pick a random example, he he captures some files from LexCorp at one point and he fails for, you know, despite owning the files, it takes him several weeks to discover a folder labelled MetaHumans and then another couple of weeks before he even decides to open it. It's just just pitiful behaviour. So that's quite bad. What's even worse is that, and there's no easy way to put this, Batman kills people in this film. It's not just the branding exercises, which you could play up as being okay he's just being more extreme no there's a car chase sequence where he very clearly blows up cars that contain people there's a sequence later on where he's rescuing a woman and he gets this massive fist fight but then you know he uses a grenade that someone throws at him and later on he he blows up a man with a flamethrower again central to batman's pathology is that he doesn't kill it's part of what makes him so interesting as an otherwise psychotic vigilante. It's what makes him more interesting than the Punisher or Wolverine. 
He has this intense rage, he has this incredibly powerful motivation, but because his parents were murdered, he does not kill. And to throw that away, and it really is thrown away pointlessly, it's not like it's made a major plot point or it's made some kind of, you know, oh, suddenly he's got to be darker or something. It's just tossed away without a thought because this is a dumb action movie and they want a big impressive explosion. Woefully, utterly unforgivable. And you'll have gathered from everything I've just said that I'm more of a Batman fan than a Superman fan, and that's true. However, Superman's treatment in this movie is equally terrible. Superman is treated as a sulky man-child god who has very little impulse control. He is petulant, he is whiny, and he uses his superpowers in capricious ways which are utterly out of keeping with the character himself. He's also, by some measure, the least convincing Clark Kent I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's completely unforgivable as well, because you can't have Superman without Clark Kent. And in many ways, Clark Kent is a more interesting facet of Superman's character. The notion that he plays this ultra-nerdy, ultra-weedy guy who's actually Superman, it's important, it's integral to the character, and it's what it's a big part of what makes the whole thing work. But this film has no interest in that. It has really no interest in Bruce Wayne, and it certainly has absolutely no interest in Clark Kent as a functioning character. Because all it really wants to do is set up its massive Batman versus Superman scrap and then have it play out. And the entire film is in service to that. As a sidebar, what this also means is that Lex Luthor gets completely massacred as a character. I mean, he just makes no sense in this film. He's completely incoherent. He's a gibbering wreck. You wouldn't put this man in charge of anything, let alone a massive multinational corporation. It just wouldn't be possible. It wouldn't happen. He's he's too crazy. And I realise as I'm saying that, we're in 2017 and uh, a head of a multinational corporation called Donald Trump's just been made president. <laughs> so obviously I'm talking complete shit and crazy people are in charge of things all the time. But this guy's really, really crazy and really in that kind of flappy head movie villain over the top crazy that's just lazy and stupid and completely unbelievable. And that's very upsetting because, again, Luther is one of those characters. See, the reason Luther works against Superman is what Superman doesn't have that Batman does have is smarts. Superman is not the world's greatest detective. He's, you know, probably about average intelligence when it comes to that kind of thing. Luther is a genius, and that's why he's a good foil for Superman. But you wouldn't get any of that from this film. Superman Clark Kent is this investigative reporter who's desperately trying to get his boss to cover the Batman and his increasingly violent vigilante stuff because reasons, it's not really made clear. And Luther's just a obviously unhinged, gibbering psychopath. His plan to blow up the Senate makes absolutely no sense. You know, it's never clear if he's trying to frame Superman or if he's trying to implicate him. But it really, it makes no sense as to why he decides to do that. He doesn't need to do that in order to complete the rest of his plot. It's a pointless thing to do. Superman then inexplicably, once that happens, just buggers off. No reason for him to do that at all. And the fight, as you'll, as you'll have gathered from everything I've said before, the fight itself, the central fight, Batman versus Superman, narratively, no sense to it whatsoever. No need for it to occur. A 20-second phone call from one protagonist to the other would have would have wrapped it up at any point. And 
it, you know, at that point, Superman, who up to this point as Clark Kent has been far brighter and stronger and investigative journalist than we've been led to believe, suddenly his IQ plummets to single figures and therefore he doesn't resolve the issue the way any remotely sane, sensible human being would. But I mean, it's just that kind of movie, I'm afraid. For example, you've got this whole sequence where uh, the Senate gets blown up by Lex Luthor and then Superman flies off. At that point, Batman decides to steal all of Lex Luthor's kryptonite. But we don't get to see him doing that. No, that would be too interesting. That would have been too much fun, watching the Batman break into a super secure warehouse and steal some kryptonite. No, no, that would be dull. Instead, what we have is Lex Luthor turning up to find a giant hole in his wall and his kryptonite missing. And then, oh yes, a Batarang where the kryptonite used to be. Because Batman is so incredibly stupid that he wants Lex Luthor to know that he stole the kryptonite. There's no universe in which this makes any sense whatsoever. And it really is infuriating. It's insulting to the intelligence of the viewer. And it's, it's a dreadful misuse of what can be incredibly powerful, iconic fictional characters. It's, it's just pathetic. And look, I realise I'm coming off as comic book guy at this point with my neck beard and my waving my fist at the sky. So uh, I'm going to kind of bring this portion of the conversation to a close. But I just, I just want to make it clear that it kind of is a fascinating movie to watch in a lot of ways. Uh, or at least I found it so. I did end up, after all, watching it twice in order to be able to record this. It's fascinating to me that a movie could have this much money spent on it and contain characters with this much investment in them, both in terms of intellectual property and in terms of money. And to render something this incoherent, it's almost an achievement. It really is kind of impressive in its awfulness. And it's clearly dripping with money, I have to say. The money that was spent is all on the screen, and you can see how it cost as much as it did to make. It's just, unfortunately... It really is what people always accuse superhero movies of. It's, it's all flash and bang, and it's absolutely no substance whatsoever. Frankly, the only aspect of the movie that is remotely redeemable or enjoyable is Wonder Woman. She's in the film for about maybe seven or eight minutes total airtime, and the film becomes exponentially more watchable when she appears on screen, especially in the final confrontation with Doomsday. A final confrontation itself, by the way, that makes absolutely no sense, and I can't understand why it's in there, or why Lex Luthor thought that was a good idea, or indeed how anyone who isn't aware that there was a comic book story where Doomsday killed Superman would have the slightest clue what is going on in that sequence, or indeed why The Dark Knight Returns was considered so dull and lacking in event that what the movie really needed in order for it to work was to also add in the death of Superman to the end. Oh my goodness. And I've just got to say, I mean, you've come this far and I did warn you there were going to be spoilers. Killing off Superman at the end of the movie carries absolutely no dramatic weight because we know it's absolute nonsense and we know that the Justice League movie's coming next year. So it manages to have the you know the false drama problem, false pathos at the end of the film, in addition to all of its other multitude of sins and woes and failures. So in summary, Batman versus Superman, yes, it is a god-awful, misbegotten mess of a movie. It is kind of interesting in its awfulness, but I suspect only to 
people like me, mild obsessives about Batman and Superman, who are having a very hard time believing <laughs> that DC are somehow, so far, managing to get so wrong something that Marvel have managed to get so right. On that note, however, I do want to talk about a second movie that I saw much more recently, which I wasn't originally planning to talk about as part of this podcast, but I did see it. I was impressed by it. And Lee very kindly said, no, go ahead. That'll be fun. So having seen what I think probably is the worst Batman movie ever made, which I think Batman versus Superman is, I think it's worse than Batman forever. I think it's worse. Yes, I think it's worse than Batman and Robin, because at least Batman and Robin had an aesthetic it was trying to reach for, even as it failed magnificently. I don't think Batman vs. Superman even has such a thing as a coherent aesthetic. And it's definitely worse than the Adam West Batman movie, because that thing is funny. So having gone from, yes, the worst Batman movie ever made, it's official, I did manage to see what may have been the best Batman movie ever made recently. I am, of course, referring to Lego Batman. And Lego Batman managed to be everything that Batman vs. Superman wasn't. He managed to be entertaining. It managed to have a coherent story. It managed to have a competently drawn redemption arc for its main protagonist. It even managed to have a thing or two to say about Batman, the character, the mythology, the modern legend, and having a bit of a peek under the cowl and a bit of a kicking of the tyres and a bit of an interrogation as to what this myth means and why we're so enraptured by it, and maybe sometimes why we shouldn't be a little bit. And it managed to do all of these things whilst being made up entirely of animated plastic brick characters, albeit, you know, brilliantly voiced ones. But still, I don't want to talk about this film too much because I'm aware it's still at the cinemas, and I don't want to give spoilers for the simple reason that a great deal of the pleasure that comes from this movie is in the humour and it is in the gags. It is incredibly paced in terms of the humour. I don't think it goes longer than 20 or 30 seconds without a gag line, and it will typically deliver four or five of them in such succession that you'll miss at least one or two of them on your first time through because you'll have been laughing so hard at the one before. It is gloriously funny. It is utterly, utterly deranged. and it's just wonderful. It's just a superb piece of cinema from start to finish. It's affectionate, but it is also prepared to poke fun. It genuinely does. I'm not making this up. It has some serious things to say about Batman, about, <laughs> about the Batman mythology. It has some smart things to say about it and asks some awkward questions. And it was just a delight from start to finish. So there you go. If you didn't fancy watching the worst Batman movie ever made out of morbid curiosity, and frankly, I don't blame you. It's two and a half hours of your life you won't get back, or in my case, five. Do go and see Lego Batman, the movie, because I suspect if you have a sense of humour, and that is a big if, I realise, if you have a sense of humour and you're a fan of the Batman mythology, I think you will find Lego Batman, the movie, a genuinely life-affirming experience. And... I commend it to the house for that reason. And with that, I think I better call it a night. So thank you very much for having me, Lee and Daniel. It's been a great pleasure. And I hope to speak to you guys again soon on a full length episode talking about some other movies. Thanks.
Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Mmm, great coffee. Mmm. Hey. Hmm? Chad, who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. These two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author. Well, where can I listen? Let me tell you, Chris, you can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited. Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. HPPodcraft.com <laughs> 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 Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. 
watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> and he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Podomatic. Com and Doomed Movie Thon. Com. Hello, hello. This is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. Alright guys, we're back. Hope you enjoyed that annihilation of Batman vs. Superman by Kit Power there and his little spoiler-free talk about the Lego Batman. Uh, I enjoyed all this. Really, really appreciate him bringing that to me and just sort of dropping it on my lap at the last minute. Kind of saved this podcast for this week because quite frankly, I really didn't want to do those two reviews anyway. I didn't really have my heart on it. I'd just been stressed out and tired this weekend, pissed off as well that my plans sort of got ruined. So yeah, my reviews would have been a little bit lackluster, to to say the least. And uh, I'll just save those for what I've been watching lately on a proper episode. I'll talk about those films. But yeah, uh, thank you again, Kit. Great, great job. And you saved the podcast for this week, so uh, very much appreciated. Also, hope you guys check out the podcast that we pimped in their promo spots and the podcast I talked about at the beginning of the show as well. They'll give you a lot of good stuff to listen to, uh, maybe some new stuff you haven't checked out that I think you will find enjoyable. Now, I'm just going to quickly run down what's coming up on the podcast. So, first off, as you may well have heard by now, we are running our way up to episode 100, which will be our live commentary of Night of the Living Dead from 1968. It's going to be Daniel, Paul, and myself getting fucking drunk and talking about Night of the Living Dead as we watch it. And uh, it's just going to be a nice little laid-back celebration of the fact that we made 100 episodes and give you guys something enjoyable to listen to if you have a few drinks in hand. Nothing too deep, nothing too taxing that you have to uh, really concentrate on. And, uh, yeah, uh, just something we've all been looking forward to doing. Something we've been talking about doing off and on on the podcast now for a while, and it's finally going to happen. But before then, we've got a bunch of crime films still to get through. Starting off, episode 91 is going to be a simple plan. Originally, it was going to be the Limey, but we've pushed that out, and we'll bring that back at some other point. Yeah, we're going to be doing a simple plan, of course, in tribute to the late Bill Paxton, who just unfortunately just passed away. And, of course, we'll be talking about his career a little bit, and the films and other work that he's done, and uh, just, just what he sort of meant to us as far as film watchers go. Episode 92, this should be... 
the episode that Kit Power guests on, and it will be Night in the City and White Heat. Now, the ones that are going to have guests on are flexible. Uh, we might shuffle them depending on the schedules here, but Night in the City and White Heat will have uh, Kit Power, and uh, we'll talk about those sort of two classic noir films. 93... Episode 93 is going to be Fargo with Jack Graham. If you're familiar with the other episodes Jack Graham's been on, our Nosferatu episode and our Blood Simple Blue Velvet episode, you know we go pretty goddamn deep in discussion. When we have him along, he just sort of ups our game, and make, although he still makes us sound like fucking gibbering morons but uh, in comparison, but still um, always enjoyable to talk with Jack about films, and I foresee a big episode there so uh, expect a big meaty damn episode episode 94 will be a classic crime film the driver and a more modern crime film that sort of just takes cues from that film drive episode 95 we're finally going to get into some sam peckinpah it's going to be bring me the head of alfredo garcia one of my all-time favorite films and i can't wait to introduce daniel to this film because he has not seen it so uh, I think he's going to have some fun with this one. Episode 96, we're going to dip back into some police oteski, and we're going to do The Police Serve the Citizens and The Heroin Busters. Episode 97 is going to be the classic Michael Mann film Thief and The Asphalt Jungle, so we're going to do two heist films there. Then we're going to do a film uh, requested by Mike Murphy from Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing Zodiac, and this is one we wanted to do for a while anyway. Mike gave us the excuse to do it, so there you go. Thank you, Mike. And episode 99, this is one that we've talked about doing before we even started this podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing Jackie Brown, and that'll be a big episode. Actually, there's potentially like four or five really big episodes here. So we're going to be giving you a lot of stuff. Then we're just going to give you pretty much nothing when we're watching Night of the Living Dead. It's just going to be fun and banter and... Well, who knows? It might not be. There might be something there. There might be something to that episode as well. We'll see. We'll see what Paul brings on that episode because uh, if, if you've listened to some of the stuff he's uh, talked about in some other uh, sort of Pennsylvania-specific horror films that we've covered on this podcast, you know he knows his shit and he brings a lot of interesting insights. And uh, yeah, so that that's the outlook for the podcast in the, for the next few months. We're going to go out with some uh, music. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. But uh, until then, of course, you can find all of our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. Join the Facebook group if you have not done so. It's the best place to get in contact with us. We'll be back next time with a simple plan. Aloha. Sing. Touch 
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to various podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. Please join our Facebook group, as this is the best way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date with what's coming up on the podcast. We also can be found as part of the Oi Spaceman family of podcasts at oispaceman.com, where you can find various sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, Firefly, and classic sci-fi novels. If you decide to subscribe to us through iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a review. Thank you. Drive through.